the, the bigger your brand name, the more return you're going to get. Because there's going to be a lot of branded searchers. Like how many people are searching for Nike? So the more your brand name is recognizable, the better your ads are going to do in the long term. Hello, and welcome to the Optimized Store Owner Show, a podcast that helps frustrated store owners become optimized store owners. We are your hosts, Aaron. And Christian, we want to invite you to join us each week as we share tips, tactics, and strategies from the most inspiring entrepreneurs in the e-commerce industry. This podcast will help you add flexibility, stability, and happiness into your life. Ready? Let's go! Look, marketing moves fast, and it can be hard for businesses to keep up. Our guest today is an expert at staying on the cutting edge. Sharon Park is the founder and CEO of Sage Digi, a top digital marketing agency focused on results-driven Google ad campaigns. Sharon and her team have over 20 years combined experience at Google, so they have deep insider knowledge at everything from search to display to video advertising. In this episode, we're going to deep dive into Google ads and a few other things here and there. So if you wanting to learn a lot about Google ads, then we actually have some good tangible takeaways uh, for you in this episode. So let's start listening today. All right, Sharon, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So let's do, um, I typically don't want to go directly into the company side of things yet, but I think it is important to to give some background into who you are. So maybe just give us a, a quick brief overview and then let's, we can jump into some tactical and strategy stuff here in a second. Sure. Currently, I'm the CEO of Sage Digi. We're a performance advertising company that helps businesses on Google, LinkedIn, and paid social media. That's what I do. In the past, I worked for Google Corporate for 10 years, pioneering ad strategies that scaled all the way from when I first received them, they were a tiny startup called Zappos and scaling them all the way into a business that spends probably $25 million a month in paid ads. And um, so I have a lot of experience in retail coming from that side, but really my passion is working with founding teams. And so that's how I started Sage Digi. It's been about five years now. Awesome. Yeah, I've heard of that little company. Uh, that's cool. <laughs> hey, cool. So you guys, uh, I mean, at least what I see from the site and, and the research and stuff that I've done beforehand is um, Google Ads um, meeting technology. And obviously, I, I think people have an idea of Google Ads, but maybe you can walk through um what it is that you guys specialize within the Google Ads space and what does that mean whenever you kind of put the word technology together? Is there's like a, just a unique approach that you guys have to to Google Ads? Yeah, good question and a, and, a, and a huge one. I think the answer is very big. But to start with, where does Google Ads meet with technology? And I think it has to do with all of the data that Google can ingest in order to make your ads do better. There's so much data that a website collects, right? Everything from a user's email, um, what what keyword did someone search on, and then which ad did they click on to arrive at a page? And is that the product that someone actually bought or did they buy something else? Like all of that data needs to be captured through an integration back into Google Ads to teach the system like what's actually working. Where are the areas of profit hiding so that you can look, like, do a deep dive into those areas and grow them? That's what I mean about the intersection of Google Ads and technology. On top of that, there's a lot of smart tech 
that website owners could take advantage of. I read a case study about how Tori Birch during COVID deployed, uh, deployed AI on the website and they were able to offer more products that a customer would be interested in buying on an individualized basis. So they were able to like uh, drive up their profits on e-commerce e quite a bit. So we play with all of those texts and make sure all the integrations are pulling back into the ads platforms we're running on. What size of company does it make sense to start using Google ads? Cause I know that typically, or at least my understanding of it, right. Is uh, I'm trying to be an advocate for the listener here is that, um, they're told to go and jump on Facebook and Instagram because it's quote unquote cheaper and Google may have a little bit higher of a cost, but I know it's more intent based. So mm -hmm. at what point if somebody's, um, you know, maybe advertising somewhere else, like when should they implement Google ads to their kind of their, uh, their marketing strategy? Yeah, I think paid social is great because it is a lot cheaper. But like you said, the intent is there and Google is the gateway to the entire internet. So if it were my business, I would be there from day one, but with strict budgets. For example, a friend of mine just started her business. I think she spends $25 a day on Google Ads, but she gets returns. And so it's okay to start tiny. Start by putting your business's brand name there. So what if someone is on Instagram and they see your business name and then they search for you on Google? Like, are you going to be there? Um, so that's where it makes sense for a smaller business. Typically, to really scale a Google program, you'd want to have like a hundred conversions a week. So you have some scale there. The system is learning, ingesting data. The Google Pixel is firing appropriately. If you have a hundred sales a week flowing through your Google Ads program, then then you know it's like you have enough data there to scale it up. And then. It, you said Google is the kind of the gateway to the internet and my knowledge of Google is that there are is also so many things that they own so whenever you're talking about Google ads that seems like a big umbrella what all places can somebody advertise or do you suggest to to spend money when you're advertising with Google or does sure. Google kind of take care of all of it itself oh yeah uh it it's completely customizable so typically I'm referring to the search engine and just placing ads on Google itself. If you take a look at your ads campaigns, Google will also default add you to their search partners. So other websites that use Google to power their own search. So there's a lot of like big ones, but I tend to set those off at first. I want to be on google.com first. Then if you have more budget, you could spread it out over their search partners. You could also show on their display network, which is a network of millions of websites that host Google ad codes. You've probably seen it like a banner ad on the right hand side that says like this is a sponsored link. The New York Times is one of the brand name publishers in, in their display network, but there's millions of sites, some of them great, some of them not great, like bobslawblog.com, like your ad could show there if it's relevant. There's a new format called performance map. It's um, fairly automated that they show your ad across Gmail, a property Google owns, so their Gmail, across the display network, across uh, YouTube, and also a Discover feed that's available on Android phones. Um, 
that performance max campaign is very advanced and uses signals from your website on like who to show ads to. And I have seen that campaign time and again outperform search in terms of like cost per sale. So that's a good one to look at too. But YouTube is a part of the Google family. YouTube ads are very effective at getting the word out. A lot of different ways you could target videos by household income, by, you know, families that have school-aged kids in the house. That's like a big one right now for back to school. So that's typically what I mean when I'm talking about the Google umbrella. I do want to ask outside of Google, and I think you referred to potentially maybe LinkedIn, if I'm not mistaken, but what's the blend or, or how does that look for, I guess, majority of your clients in terms of what you're able to to help them with in terms of services, right? Is it all just Google or is it a mix of a, a little bit um, of some other services in there? Yeah, typically for e-commerce, you're going to want to do Google, Facebook, um, Instagram, maybe some Pinterest a little bit. Depends on how, like what kind of product you're offering. Um, typically, the budget spread might be something like 70 Google, 30 social. Just because the intent, like you said, is there, Christian. I have tested many other platforms like TikTok, um, Twitter, just not seeing the performance that is predictable. TikTok is also very resource intensive, but super fun. So if you could spin up a new video, like I'm talking daily, if your if your company has that capability to spin up videos, then by all means, you should test the platform. That's where Gen Z is. And so that's how we reach them. But for now, I think the major platforms are Facebook, Instagram, Google. Whenever you're, so just kind of thinking of uh, the audience here, when a brand is starting out or, or even if they've been running ads for a while, um, most of them, yeah, have been starting Facebook, Instagram. Uh, what kind of campaigns would you suggest for them to start running um, if they're an e-commerce brand? We, we we serve a lot of clothing brands, but just in general, like um, what kind of advice of ads would you suggest for them to start running? Um, I think click to purchase. That's bottom of the funnel. You want to make sales and try to get at least a one-to-one on your ads program at first. You're going to have minimal traffic there when you're brand new. And so put but whatever budget you can, um, but that's first. But I'm really a huge proponent on full funnel marketing when you're spinning up a new brand. So there's a lot of folks who haven't heard of this, of your brand name before. There's a lot of people who've never heard of Sage Digi before, obviously, so they don't even know to search for you. So that is an investment that you got to make in the middle of the funnel or the upper funnel. Image-based ads or video-based ads Reels are also hugely popular, but content that you're boosting with your whatever budget you have, and the standard there is to not get purchases from them, right? The standard there is views from the right eyeballs for several months until people are like, yeah, I think I've heard of that brand before. Um, And so having that full funnel approach of like, you know, this is the aspirational lifestyle, um, went to our website and learn more and then click to purchase the, all of those phases should be addressed. It takes commitment. It takes investment and it takes longevity. I think longevity and commitment are kind of the same thing, but 
If you're looking to launch your ads program, carve out a budget that you can spread out over a minimum of six months. If you start stop, you're losing money because you know the algorithms are resetting all over again. So even if it's very small, I would say, you know, spread the money out over six months and commit to it. That's really how an agency or an employee is going to be able to like learn the most and then do more and more towards the bottom. Of it. Does that make sense? It does. So you're saying like, even with your friend, if they had $25 a day, um, that would be like, that wouldn't be able to get them the full funnel. That'd be able to get them to like do the click per purchase. But what's kind of the minimum budget that people just kind of ideally, maybe they're kind of pie in the sky here. Should they have a hundred dollars a day that they're doing and then spreading that over the next six months or, you know, yeah. so like three grand a month, you could do something with that. It's okay. a pretty minimal budget in terms of what marketing, you know, effective marketing is looking at. Um, mm -hmm. Our we set the bottom at fifty thousand a month, so three thousand a day is like you're you're bootstrapping here. That's your money. It's gonna hurt to you know swipe your credit card every month. And I have a lot yeah. of respect for bootstrappers. I did it myself. So if you can invest three thousand a month for six months. That's going to be, it's going to be a good investment. You're going to be learning. And what kind of resources or places would you send somebody if they have that budget? Obviously for somebody like you, they're, they're not going to necessarily be able to do like hire. It doesn't make sense for them to hire an agency. Maybe not. But, yeah. yeah. But if say, they're just starting out, we're, yeah. go ahead. It depends. It depends. If you are, you know, naturally good at tinkering then you could try it yourself. However, as a founder, what I would recommend is hire out because you yeah. have to focus on the business itself. And online ads is very demanding. There's tons of data that flows. So you could find like a good freelancer who might be willing to do the work for like between 60 to $100 an hour. Partner with them, give them 10 hours a month. They'll, they'll ask for more. Just say, we're, that's what, how we're going to start. Give yeah. them 10 hours a month and see what what they could do. It's a want weekly reporting and a weekly half hour call to check in. And I want a one one ROAS and start. Month two, look, Based... I want a hundred fifty percent ROAS. Go, go, go back ahead. to the I was I was just gonna say go back to the to the one to one ROAS there. What what do you mean by that when and maybe you can define it for everybody? Oh return on ad spend. So if you're spending three thousand, you want three thousand in sales. Okay. And that's even, that's going to be a loss, right? Because you have cost of the product, cost of production, cost of branding and all that. But at least like, you know, you're not trying to set $3,000 on fire. Like you, you want to see some performance. It is important mm -hmm. to tell your freelancer, like, I want to see performance. Let's start at a one-to-one. -one, and then within a couple of months, I want a 50% return, then a hundred percent return and bring them to where the margins start to make sense. Every business has very, very different margins. So, you know, including your shipping, including the cost of the freelancer, do a little bit of Excel and tell them like, this is where it needs to be in order for my business to grow. Hey, so owners, are you ready to grow and scale your online business predictably and profitably? We've created a free 15 minute training that will walk you through the five key areas every online store needs to achieve financial success. You can grab the free training by going to optimizestoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. 
or clicking the link below in the podcast description. Again, that is optimizedstoreowner.com forward slash ecom dash training. What is, what's like a typical return from Google? Like, what, I mean, with Facebook, obviously, you know, just kind of those social people can see a crazy return or, or whatever. Like, I'm sure that Google has the, the outliers as well, but like, what's a, what is a healthy return for Google? Like if you're getting a, a, a whatever percent or return on investment, yeah. what's healthy? That's a great question. It's a huge gamut. So one of our e-commerce clients, we said we want to get a 300% return on ad spend. And at that rate, the ads pay for themselves and there is some margin left over for the business. The, the bigger so, your brand name, the more return you're going to get. Because there's going to be a lot of branded searchers. Like how many people are searching for Nike versus it, I saw a new boot in my feed called Thursday. They're called Thursday boots. Like people aren't really <laughs> searching for that, you know, in any kind of volume. So the more your brand name is recognizable, the better your ads are going to do in the long term. I was going to kind of ask a question about kind of relating to that, where I believe when it comes to social, your ads tend to do better, right? When you have a organic strategy in place where you're actually posting content and creating content, right? Yeah. On your platform, you get that audience. Is there anything that brands can do on, on the Google ad yeah. side of things? I mean, Great question. What are some oh, gosh. I love that question. Google is rapidly changing, right? They have an existential threat right now for the first time in their history. Uh, chat GPT. Yeah, so they're rapidly changing to change their algorithm and ingest as much content as they can so that when someone asks it a question, when someone has borrowed a question, they have an answer. So this sweatshirt is the, the branding's called Stadium. They're a tiny business out of New York. And so I, if I ask Google, like, uh, show me five Stadium sweatshirts that are hit, that are a hit right now, like, they better have the answer. So something for a brander to do is really invest in search engine marketing with a good, with a good, I would say agency or freelancer, but you need a good keyword strategy. Like what are people searching for and make content that addresses that search term. The second half of a good SEO strategy is that you have to backlink. That's pay to play. It's an investment in your business, but other websites need to be linking to yours and that's how page rank works larry page who invented google page rank means like the more websites are pointing to your website the more important it is and so agencies have relationships across like thousands of publishers you write a blog post and others will link to it that it's like the difference though it's like that's planting an orchard Orchards will give you a, the next generation bountiful fruit. Uh, and then um, I would say search engine ads, like the ads program we're talking about, is more like planting your veggie bed. You're going to get food in like two months. You know, it, it happens a lot faster. But it's important to address both of those things. And it's expensive and a very, very worthy investment. You mentioned a couple of things there as far as like how how can one find what people are searching for? Yeah. 
I know I know what I'm searching for, but how how would a uh, how would a brand find out what other people are searching for to create content around that? Oh, great question. There's a tool called SEMrush, S E M Rush. If you're in a hurry, um, okay. take a look at that. And I think there's a free trial. It's a, it's the industry standard on how to see like where where what people are searching for. There's also a Google Trends tool. If you can like for input, it'll tell you like what are the top searches. But I think most people are using SEMrush right now. There's a there's a tool called SpyFu, S P Y F U dot com. There's a lot of data you can get there from free. So if you're searching there, like put in your domain name, it might give you like a list of a hundred keywords that people are searching for in, in order to get to your website. The third way would be check your analytics. What are the search terms people are people are using in order to come to your website? Or your search console will also tell you that. But using those three things, you will start to get a sense of like, you know, wh what terms are, are worth investing in. A great SEO strategist will tell you, yeah, like um, a brand, a clothing e-commerce branding agency. That's what you guys do. That is like your core term, but it's very competitive. Mm -hmm. So a sideways term might be some like something like uh, e-commerce branding for St. Paul, Minnesota, or you know more localized strategy. Or they might be looking for branding agency for e-commerce startups. So maybe you yeah. start to write a lot of content about like how to start your own brand. They could join uh, your free webinar, and then you, you know the world's your oyster at that point. Awesome. What is so they people are starting out on Google, starting to get some sales. Um, how are you guys tracking? revenue from this because i think i mean at this point everybody's talking about all the ios updates and all the privacy and security stuff but then you're like well how can i trust that my person who's running my google ads is giving me an accurate number like i'm not seeing the same numbers that they're telling me inside of my bank account as sure. what's google saying so there's gonna be one source of truth that you the business owner determine like probably shopify or a lot of people use Square. Um, for us, we use a CRM. Any CRM that's gonna be the business's one source of truth, that's what we tie revenue to. And so the reason why there would be some, you know, 10, 20% discrepancy is normal. There's a reason Great. for that. And so that you can take that with a grain of salt, 10%. Yeah, that's totally normal. Anything beyond 20%, there's a tagging problem. So you're going to want to get your web developer to take a look or your agency or freelancer should be able to take a look. Some data is leaking, so you got to find out where that is. But typically, massive e-commerce platforms, they already have an automated integration into Google Ads. So you just, on the back end, check a box. You take one customer ID here and put it into your Google Ads and it should automatically integrate. There, I have seen a lot of data muck-up and there's always reasons like people have complex setups. When does the sale get counted? Like, you know, there's different ways to troubleshoot, but typically on the major platforms, it's fairly straightforward. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, one of those things where you you have to have a clear 
clear path of just understanding. I, I like that. And now I like that example there, or just more of the specific, like you said, of like, what is the true path for the business? Um, and then just working off of that number. Um, when it comes to Google ads or when it comes to, to growing a business, um, how closely do you work with the brands on determining like what a, what a real budget should be or how much of a percentage Google ads should be of their overall marketing strategy. Let's say, you know, if somebody comes to you and they say, look, budget isn't necessarily a thing. Like, how are you like dividing up the pie as far as like overall marketing? Yeah. So that's like, that's what we call media planning. Okay. And um, if money isn't an object, then we're looking for the upper limit in search terms. Like there's a million searches for best tennis shoes a month. So I want all million of those for my ads to show. And we'll like find the average cost per click and ask that for the budget. In most worlds though, the budget is there. It's carved out, it gets approved. Usually budgets get approved in late February, early March. And so ad agencies are jumping up and down like jackrabbits in April because everyone has their like their annual goal. Um, a healthy way to go about it, in my opinion, as a marketer, is to take one third of profits and reinvest it into the business for marketing, the full funnel of marketing, and to make your marketing program a break-even program. The secondary sales, customer retention, that's up to you. What products are you selling? How are you re-reaching your customers through email or through ads? But um, one third of profits continuously investing into the business in your brand name and in sales will drive growth over time. Oh. That's Coca-Cola's playbook. Yeah, I was going to say, that seems like a, yeah, it, it obviously works because I'm like, scared right now to suggest that to somebody but you're right if, if they do that then they will have growth it's it's always interesting to me that like if times are good marketing is great if times are bad they cut marketing and then it gets even worse so it's like you know that's a you good gotta... point Aaron that's like cutting budgets when times are bad there's always the business necessity which you guys are business owners you get it right good. but if you cut, it's like if you're growing your garden, right? You're growing your garden, you see little flowers growing, and that's going to become a tomato in a few weeks. But then you're like, I'm going to snip that off because there's no money for water or whatever. Then there's no fruit to talk about in the future. Marketing's job is to not really drive sales this year. That's sales' job. Marketing's yeah. job is to really look into the future. Like, what's 2024 going to shape into be? What about 2025? Have we made appropriate investments far along the future for us to have a working garden? And if you cut that back all the way bare bones, then your competitors are the ones that are going to be reaping benefits next year. It's a tough pill to swallow if you're a bootstrapper. Yeah. So that, like, I have so much respect for bootstrappers. You got to make the call based on what you got. But if you yep. have a healthy business, let's say you have a couple dozen employees, then like, yeah, definitely take your finger off the button and let the investment run. It does pay off. I think 
at, at this stage, we've kind of went in the, into hopefully touching a little bit on each one of them. Where would you think is going to give the most value to the listener here if we went a little bit more in depth or maybe touched on something that um, we just don't know what we don't know asking the questions? And you can maybe t- talk on that a little bit more to make sure that we expand and add as much value as possible. Yeah, I think something, if we have like a few more minutes, talk about some common mistakes that I see. Yeah. Might be helpful to listeners if that's all right. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so the number one common mistake I see is wrong attribution. Wrong attribution. Um, at this point in my career, I've probably come across over a thousand, thousand ad accounts about 90 plus percent are counting the wrong thing. So that That is the place to drill down as a business owner. Like if you only have like two, three hours to devote to ads, devote it to attribution because what you gotta be counting is revenue, not cost per unique view, cost per download, cost per sign up, cost per account creation. None of that truly matters. What matters is what dollars have flown into into your bank account. So if you can spend time and truly find out what is the cost per sale, that that is like very, very, very important. And has that sale gone back through the tag back into your ads platform, whether it be Facebook or whether it be Google. Sometimes Facebook will say like, you have a 12,000% return on ad spend. I would check that. That doesn't seem right. So attribution is one thing. Second thing I would say is like not having a regular cadence for checking in. I think as business owners, we're all a bit manic, right? We're like money's down, check everything, fire drill. I can't sleep tonight. But having your weekly regular check-in, I like Mondays because then your ad person will have the rest of the week to do some execution on what you talked about. Barfing off that half hour is going to bring a lot of sanity to your day. Don't check it every day. That's like checking your start portfolio every day. You're going to have a heart attack. Just, you know, once a week, half hour, how are we doing on a month over month basis? Like, don't just get too lost into the weeds and have them report out to you. This was the cost per sale. This is the revenue that we've made. And this, this campaign is eyeballs campaign. That's our branding campaign, which is fine. But, you know, just check on those things every single week, half hour. If you do that, then you'll have a very healthy cycle for how to, like, drive your ads program to the next level. Hope that's, like, I hope that's valuable. But just to recap, check those ad tags. Make sure that the revenue is what you're counting and nothing else. No, that's extremely valuable. Uh, And, yeah, and this, I feel like, I don't know. There's there's so much that can be learned from from Google um, because at least in our world, everybody does think that Facebook and Instagram is kind of like the the sexier, the more the more exciting one. But I think Google into this play, kind of what you mentioned earlier, is what's going to drive that the actual like incremental growth for the business like over the long haul. Yeah, um, and everybody should be using it and doing something with it. I mean, we haven't even talked about the other beast, which is Amazon. Yeah. Having a branded Amazon storefront is the major play for retail. And and then running ads within Amazon creates its own ecosystem of profits. 
But personally, if I were to build an empire, it wouldn't be on someone else's land. You know what I'm saying? Because then Amazon Basics, Amazon Basics is going to roll around one day and like swoop on your customers. So it's a tougher climb to run your own web store. You might one day consider moving into the Amazon storefront, but um, it's definitely a beast worth worth tangoing with a little bit, I think. That is a that sounds like a, an additional podcast we definitely need to kind of dive into for sure. Yeah, for sure. We have a lot of clients that run within Amazon, and like the lion's share of their revenue comes from what from within Amazon. Yeah, cool. It's a huge undertaking. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, it seems like it's its own world. Um, okay, cool. Sharon, this was extremely insightful. I have a ton of notes. I know that everybody else listening also did as well. What's the best place for them to connect? We'll make sure to put it in the show notes here. Yeah, email me, Sharon at sage2g.com. I answer everything. I'm an email machine. Email me. You can also find out more at sagedigi.com. That's our website. And um, I'll drop my LinkedIn into your into your notes as well. But thank you so much for having me on your show, Aaron and Christian. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wrap. Before you go, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram stories at BitBraining and let us know what you thought about this episode. And next, make sure to leave us an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps us reach more people and continue to improve the podcast for you. All right, guys, have a great day and we'll talk to you next week.